Thank you, ladies. Appreciate it. That's a beautiful song. Aren't you glad that we can we come to Lord not with anything good that we have to offer, but just as we are? And uh, thank the Lord for that. Well, last week we were looking um, at beginnings, and um, we were looking basically kind of started in the beginning, Genesis chapter one, verse number one. And so this morning I want you to go to Revelation. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Right, Revelation chapter four. In Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1, Revelation chapter 4, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which had come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald and round about the throne were four and 20 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their head heads, crowns of gold. Jump down with me to verse uh, number 9. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on a throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on a throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created." If you know anything about the book of the Revelation here, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ that is given to John uh, on the Isle of Patmos uh, later on in John's years as he's an, uh, an older man. And um, God gives him this revelation, of course, which is uh, the last book of the Bible now. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, it talks about the seven churches, and we can read about the seven churches of Asia there. But in chapter 4, something very interesting happens. Of course, in chapters 2 and 3, you have the churches being spoken about and what God desires of the churches. But then in chapter 4, we don't see the churches anymore on the earth. And uh, we believe as uh, Baptists that uh, there is an event that is called the rapture. The rapture of the church, and that is when all of those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, who are living upon the earth, Jesus Christ will return in the clouds, and he will rapture the church, those who have put their faith and trust in him, and take them up to heaven to be with him. And, uh, and, and so as we move into chapter 4, John is viewing what is happening now in heaven. Uh, of course, the churches he was dealing with in chapters 2 and 3 are no longer on the earth. In fact, we're going to see them here in chapter 4 in heaven. Uh, when we, we look at this, we don't have time to go into great, great depths uh, in explanation here. But in, uh, throughout here, you're going to find that the, the 4 and 20 elders, or the 24 elders that we're going to see here, are representation of the church. Those that we saw in chapters 2 and 3 uh, that were on the earth, we now see in heaven as the 24 elders. And uh, they are, of course, around the throne here. But I want you to notice in verse number 10, it says, The four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast, cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, 
O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So we get this picture that John gives us in heaven around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. And around that throne is, is the, the church, the, these four and twenty elders. And there's a specific time, something happens. And um, the Bible talks about in verse number 10 that the, these 24 elders, they fall down before the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that liveth forever and ever, the one that has created all things. They, found, they fall down before him. And the Bible says, and worship him. Worship him. What is worship? What is worship? This morning, as we look through Revelation chapter 4, we're going to look at some practical aspects or just some aspects of worship this morning that as we begin this year may help us to be able to truly Worship the one who deserves to be worshipped in our lives. Father, I pray this morning that you would just work in our hearts through, through your word, allow your Holy Spirit to convict us, Lord, that we would truly desire to worship you as you and you alone deserve to be worshipped. Father, I pray that even this morning that we've come to worship you, Lord, through the songs and through our giving that we have worshipped you, and Lord, even now through your word. You'd speak to our hearts that we might worship you. So, Father, just bless in the message now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What is worship? If you're to define worship, it can be defined many different ways. Reverence. You'd be defined as honor or praise or service that is shown to God. I like what I read in one... Um, Commentary, the Lexham, describes worship as the odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character of God. That's a good description. The odd response to the saving acts and praiseworthy character of God. But where does worship begin? Obviously, we find here in the last book of the Bible, we find worship. Worship being given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where does worship begin? Though we do not see the word worship, it actually begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. If we go back all the way to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and 3, we find, of course, creation happening. And on the sixth day, God creates Adam and Eve and places them in the Garden of Eden. And then, of course, in chapter 3, we understand that something happens and uh, in chapter 3, we find the, the serpent coming to Eve and tempting her with what God had said not to eat. God had placed Adam and Eve uh, in the garden and had given them specific commands. And as they obeyed those commands of the Creator, they showed their worship to Him. Through their obedience, they showed worship. Through their obedience, they showed reverence. Through their obedience, they showed honor and praise through their obedience. But in Genesis chapter 3, though, man chooses not to worship God. In Genesis chapter 3, we know the serpent comes and tempts Eve, and basically with the three things that we are still tempted with today, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and the serpent tempts Eve, and 
Eve chooses, instead of worshiping God and honoring God and praising God and giving reverence to God, Eve chooses to worship self instead of the creator. She chose self. She said, I, I, I want this. This is best for me. This is going to enable me. This is all about me. And so instead of worshiping the creator, she chose to disobey and worship self. She chose to put self before the creator of the universe. But if we think who is to be worshipped, we can understand that worship should only be rendered to God and given to no other person. In fact, it's not to be given to anyone else. Any other person that we worship or any other thing that we worship, the Bible says is sinful. It's sin to worship anything but God. In Exodus chapter 34, in verse number 14, God speaking says, For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God said, I don't want you to worship anything else. Now, please understand me. When we're talking about worship and using the term honor or reverence, we understand that the Bible tells us that children are to honor their parents But here's the thing. They're not to worship their parents. They're to give reverence to their parents, but they're not to worship their parents. We are to honor and give reverence to those who God places in authority, whether that would be a pastor or in government or whatever it might be, but we are not to worship them. There's a difference between worship and honor. The problem is much of modern worship is not God-centered. Much of modern worship today is man-centered. And it's not that they are worshiping a man. It's not they're worshiping a pastor or necessarily an individual. But much of modern worship is being designed. They're, they're designing their worship around what attracts people. What is attractive to people? What can we use to, to, to bring people in? What can we use to give people a good feeling, to make them happy? And the problem is, is that's just the opposite of what worship should be. The devil told Eve, if you eat this, you'll be happy. The devil told Eve, if you, if you do this, you'll, you'll, you'll be really happy and you'll enjoy life and everything. And, and that's the same thing that the devil is telling and lying to people today. If you'll just, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just do what I say, then, then you'll be really happy and you'll enjoy life. But the problem is God says, if you're worshiping anything other than him, you cannot be happy. You cannot enjoy life because there's only one who is to be worshiped. And that is the Lord God. Worship isn't about you or me. Worship isn't about feeling good. Worship is not about an emotional high. Worship is about God. Worship is about doing and saying and being what he wants us to do and say and be. In Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8, he tells us, He hath showed us, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. 
There are aspects of worship that we have to understand if we're truly going to worship God in a way that brings honor and glory to him. And I believe we see that here in Revelation chapter 4. And by the way, if you're a Christian here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would really encourage you to really grasp these things that we're going to look at this morning. Because one day, you will be doing them. You know how I know that? Because we're going to see it here in Revelation chapter 4. And if you know Christ as your Savior, this is what's really, really amazing about the book of Revelation, you get to see yourself. You get to see yourself in the book of Revelation. I can tell you what you're going to be doing and what I'm going to be doing. Because the Bible tells us right here in the book of Revelation. So if we're going to be doing that in heaven, we're going to be doing that before the Lord. Why don't we just start now? Amen? Why don't we just start now and, and use the life that God has given to us now and just preparation for what we're going to be doing for all of eternity? And I can tell you this. If we will grasp this concept of worship, it truly will change how we live our lives. I want you to notice some things that he says here about worship in Revelation chapter 4. Notice true worship involves purity. It involves purity. In Revelation chapter 4, in verse number 4, it says, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. They had on their heads crowns of gold. Notice they're seated on thrones They're seated around the throne of God. This scene is taking place in heaven, a place where there is no sin. Praise the Lord for that. No sin, no, nothing to worry about anymore. We're in the, in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're around his throne. But the Bible tells us that they are robed in white. And again, understanding that this, this 20, this 24 elders that are here, they are a picture of the church. They're a picture of you and me. You say, well, isn't there more than 24 Christians? Yes, it's, it's a picture of it, right? There's not just 24 Christians. This is a, the 24 elders are a picture of the, of the church. And so if you understand that, you'll understand, hey, when you read about those 4 and 20 elders, those 24 elders, you're reading about yourself if you know Christ as your Savior. That's you. You're, you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're around the throne of God. And watch what he says. They are, they are robed in white. That white speaks of their righteousness, speaks of their purity. Now, this is the amazing thing about it. Why are we able to be robed in white? Why are we able to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are we able to be around the throne there in heaven where there is no sin? Why are we able to be there? It's not because of what we have done. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's not our righteousness that enables us to be there. It's not because we are perfect and pure and what we have done. No, no, friend. It's not because of us. It's because of Jesus, what he has done for us. That's one of the reasons why we're around the throne, because it's all about him. It's all about him. And we get to be there robed in white. We get to be worshiping the Lord. Now, here's the thing. You say, but pastor, I'm not there right now. That's true. We're not there right now. We're physically right here on the earth. And though we may be positionally pure in God's eyes, the condition of our lives is sometimes not always what it should be. As long as we live here on the earth, 
We have to deal with temptation. We have to deal with sin. We have to work to keep our hearts and our lives pure because we're wanting to be like Jesus Christ. Because it was his righteousness that washes away our sin. It's his righteousness that we are robed in so that when God looks at us, he does not see our filthiness. He does not see our righteousness that are as filthy rags. He does not see our sinfulness and the wickedness of our heart. No, he sees his own righteousness. And he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. We are able to stand pure before him. But here on the earth, while we're living this life, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's not easy to live a pure life, but the purer our lives are, the more powerful our worship will be. The purer we are before the Lord Jesus Christ, the more powerful our worship is, and and the closer we are to him, the more we desire our worship to be pure. The more that we desire our heart and our lives to be pure. In your life this morning, do you desire your life to be pure before the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, yes, one day we're, hey, there's going to be no more sin. The Bible says there's going to be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death. And and we can praise God for that. We just sang that song when we all get to heaven, you know, and that's going to be a great day. But listen, friend, we're not there yet. We're still living here on this earth. and, And if we truly want to worship the Lord in true worship, it involves purity if we want to give him the honor and the reverence and the praise that he deserves, then it is up to us to say, Lord, I want to live pure for you because of what you have done for me. See, that worship is is saying and doing and being what he wants me to be and to say and to do. It's not just what I want. It's not just how I want to live my life or what I want to do or what I want to say. No, it's about what he wants me to do and say. And be. You see, just going through the motions of worship while having an impure heart is not real worship. Can I say this morning, you can be here, and please, I, I don't know anybody's heart here this morning other than my own. Okay? But you can be here this morning and you can sing, what were the songs we sang? Got them right here. When we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. You can sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. You can sing, oh, church arise, right? You can sing that. You can sing the theme chorus. He is greater than I. You can sing all of those things and not worship the Lord. Because if your heart is not pure, if our life is not pure for the Lord, then what purpose are those songs? Why are we singing? Why are we here? You, you can sit in a service week after week. You could have, you could have sat and you could have had the, the most perfect attendance of all of 2022. I mean, you were here for Sunday school and you were here for Sunday morning and you were here Wednesday night. May, I mean, you were here for, uh, for, I mean, revival and you were here for missions conference. And, and every time there was a special speaker, uh, ladies conference and men's conference and, and, and all kinds of things, you could go to all of those and still not worship the Lord. Because if our heart is not pure, if our our life is not pure before God, then what really is the purpose in what we are trying to do? What is the purpose in what we are doing? You say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just supposed to be here. Yes, you're supposed to be here, but you're supposed to be here with a pure heart to worship. And by the way, it's not just here. We ought to be worshiping the Lord anywhere we are. 
This is just a place where we come together corporately as a body of believers to worship and to sing praises and, and to be encouraged. But every day, wherever we're at, our desire to be, Lord, I want to be pure so I can worship you today. Tomorrow, Monday, the dreaded Monday, right? Oh, Monday. I wonder, are we going to worship him Monday? Is worship just something that we do when we come to church? Okay, we sang some songs and we put some money in the offering and, and we heard the message so that I, I worshiped. No, you didn't worship. You were just here. But did you really worship? Did you really praise him? Did you really honor him? Did you really reverence him and think about what he has done for you? Or is it just, well, I'm just here because that's, that's not worship. You see, that's why in James chapter four, he says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. It's not just about being clean on the outward. It's not just about the looks and, hey, I'm here, look at me. No, no, he says, cleanse your heart. What's in our heart? Some this morning, we may have sang all the songs and it wasn't worship to God because we know exactly what's in our heart. And maybe this morning it's time to get that right with God. Lord, I can't worship you right. I can't praise you right. I can't honor you right until I get my heart right with you. Oh, I might look the part. I might be here this morning and I sang the, the, sang the words, but Lord, they really didn't have any meaning because my heart is not right. You see, true worship involves purity. Notice, secondly, true worship involves humility. Humility. Look in verse number 10. It says, the four and 20 elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Think about this. Again, this, this scene uh, is taking place in heaven. They're, they're seated on thrones around the throne of God. Did you notice that? And it says in verse number four, the four and 20 elders, they're around about the throne, uh, these four and 20 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting. So they have these seats. They have these thrones in heaven. They're encircling the throne of God. They have crowns on their heads, signifying the rewards that they have received for, for the, the lives that they have lived here on the earth, whether it was good or bad. The Bible talks about that, how uh, every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and receive rewards for what we have done. So here you find these four and 20 elders, they're, they're sitting around these, uh, the throne uh, and, and they have these crowns on their head representing the rewards they've received because of their faithfulness to the Lord. But notice, instead of holding on to them, instead of just, um, instead of just sitting in these thrones, what is it that they do? The Bible says they fall down and worship him. They fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. It's interesting, one of the two principal words that is translated worship literally means to lay prostrate before the Lord, to fall down before him. It's, it's really interesting because when you study worship, there are really two aspects of it. Me bowing down and him being lifted up. The problem with so many people in worship is we don't want to bow down. We don't want to humble ourselves before God. And if you think about it, again, this, this word, this word to, they fell down. Again, you have this, they have them sitting on these thrones and, and as they begin to worship, they begin that, that awe and reverence of who it is that is before them. 
It doesn't say they just, they, they just go, you know, okay, we're just going to bow down. No, no, the Bible says that that word to worship means they literally fell on their face, prostrate before God with their head down, saying, God, we're not worthy even to look at you. What's your worship like? We're so prideful. I can't sing. I won't sing these songs. I won't, I won't open my Bible. I, I won't read the scripture. I won't be obedient to God. Now think about it, friend. If we are, if we are one of these that Jesus Christ has bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, that we've been bought how can we not fall down upon our face and worship him in humility? We're so prideful. Even though we have done nothing, we could not save ourselves. We couldn't earn our way into, the, into heaven. We couldn't earn our way to, to have a seat around the throne of God. We didn't do anything to earn those crowns. They, they're given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ for simply being obedient to what he has told us to do. Tell somebody about Jesus? That's, that's just not me. Give somebody a track? What would they think of me? Not really humble, are we? I guarantee you one day when you're sitting around the throne and you look upon the face of the one who gave his life for you, there'll be no pride left and you will fall upon your face and worship him. Don't wait till then. Start now. Say, God, you say, well, I'm not prideful. Well, there you go. We're so full of pride. Why would, who would God ask me to do that? Friend, there isn't anything that God shouldn't be able to ask you to do that we shouldn't say, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want, God. They worshiped him in humility. They fell upon their face before God. This is something that we have lost in worship. The awe of God. And who he is. We've gone from the awe of God to God simply being our buddy. He's just our buddy. Can I tell you this morning? Although we have the privilege to call him our father. He's not our buddy. He's our God. He's our creator. He's our savior. And he deserves worship in humility. Those who know him best and worship him most do not see him as our buddy, but we see him for who he is and worship him with humility. Think about Jesus and what he says about the two men that went into the temple. You had the Pharisee and the publican. 
the Pharisee comes in and looks up into heaven and says, Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here. Man, I fast twice a week. I mean, I was at church every Sunday last year. I mean, I gave my tithes. I mean, I sang the songs. I looked the part. I mean, look at all that I did, God. Yeah, that's really impressive to God. He spoke the world into existence. You being faithful every day for a year was really impressive to God. But there was another man over here, the Bible says, who would not even look up into heaven, a publican, hated by the Jews, a tax collector, hated by everybody in the United States. would not even look up into heaven, simply beat upon his breast and said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, God. Jesus says, Which of these two went away justified? There's a lot of Christians going in and out of church doors week after week after week thinking that somehow we have impressed God. And God says, You can't worship me if you're not humble. You can't truly worship if you're not willing to get rid of your pride. By the way, that's why so many people won't even come to know Christ. They won't put their faith in Christ because of their pride. I'll get it figured out myself. I'll do it my way. I'll, I'll, I'll get it, you know, when I want to. Friend, that's pride. And you can't worship God in pride. We're to worship in humility. May I say thirdly, not only does true worship involve purity and humility, but notice also in verse number 10, at the end it says, they cast their crowns before the throne. True worship involves surrender. Surrender. These crowns, again, represent the rewards that they have received. The Bible tells us that for those who are saved, that we are We will stand before the the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be rewarded for how we've lived our life or loss of rewards. God says, look, if if you'll be faithful to me, I'll reward you. Now, look, God doesn't have to reward us for being faithful. God doesn't have to reward us for being obedient to him. That's just what we ought to do. That's just what, that's just, that is our reasonable service, the Bible says. It's our reasonable service. He saved us. He can, he ought to just, whatever you say, Lord, we're, we're supposed to do. But he says, not only will you do it, but he says, I'll even reward you for it. If, if you live for me, if you're faithful for me, I'll even reward you. I'll bless you for that. And notice, when it came time to worship, and these 24 elders were around the throne, not only did they fall flat on their face before God, but they took their throne, they took their crowns, and they said, we don't deserve them. We don't deserve them. And they cast them at his feet. Look what he says. In the end of verse number nine, and cast their crowns before the throne saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. They had received these, but instead of holding on to them, 
Instead of remaining on their throne, instead of remaining on their seat, they abandoned their throne. They cast their crowns before his throne. Everything they had, everything they possessed, their position and their possession, they have now laid at the feet of Jesus Christ. I wonder, would we do that today? Would we take all that we are, whatever position we might have? You say, well, I don't have one. Well, you've got, you got some position. You have some possession. Would we take all that we have and all that we are and surrender it to God and say, Lord, it's yours. Lord, it's yours. I'm going to lay it at your feet because I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve to be here, Lord. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve a throne. I don't deserve a crown. Lord, I don't deserve it all. It's yours. I don't deserve it. You see, we... We live in an entitlement society. Not only do I deserve it, but I deserve more. I deserve it all. Christian, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything but to spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's what we deserve. (laughs) But thank God for his grace. Thank God that he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the on the cross for us, that Jesus Christ was willing to leave his throne in the splendor and glory of heaven and to be robed in flesh and to become a man and to bleed and die on that cross for our sins. And he says, now this is how I want you to live. This is what I want you to be. This is what I want you to say. This is what I want you to do. And we say, thank you for salvation, but I've got my own plans. Thank you that I have a home in heaven, but I'll take it from here, God. And I'll do what I want to do. I'll say what I want to say and I'll be what I want to be. Friend, that's the way a lot of Christians are living today. And how can we expect to worship God when we won't surrender to him? We won't surrender to what he wants for us. You cannot worship God with a stingy heart because true worship requires a total surrender of everything that we are and everything that we have. And so many Christians never experience true worship because they're holding something back. They're holding something back. Oh, well, I'll I'll let them have this, but I'm keeping a hold of this. I'll I'll let them have my family, but I'm still holding on to my plans. I'm still holding on to my possessions. I'm still holding on to this. I'll give them a little bit here, but wait, wait, wait. No, it's got to be complete, total surrender. Surrender to him. Why? Notice what he says. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You See, he's the only one that is worthy. We're, we're not worthy. We don't deserve it. We have to totally surrender our plans, our future, our hopes, our children, our finances, our time, everything. This is complete trust. We trust him with it all. And when we trust him with it all, we can truly worship. Say, Lord, thou art worthy. Here it is, Lord. Because do you understand? When we trust him with everything, that is worship. That is worship. We're saying, God, I totally trust you, and I'm going to honor you and reverence you. And, Lord, you have it all. It's all yours. And in what we do, 
we worship? Are we willing to worship and surrender? But may I say lastly, not only does worship involve purity, humility, and surrender, but notice, go with me to chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Notice in verse number four. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. (laughs) Here's those 24 elders again. Here's the church. Here's you and me. Guess where we are again? We're around the throne. What does he say? Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise our God. He is the one that deserves to be praised. We don't deserve praise. We don't deserve adoration. We don't deserve that. That's God. He deserves that. He says, praise our God that sitteth on the throne. Praise him, all ye his servants. What is praise? When referring to God, it is speaking of the excellence of God. Of who he is, praising who he is, praising his excellence, thinking about what he has done. If you think about the hymn, praise him, praise him. It's a great example of this. Think about just the the first stanza. It says, praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed redeemer, sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him. Hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd. Jesus will guard his children in his arms. He carries them all day long. Praise him. Praise him. Tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him. Praise him ever in joyful song. Man, he says, if we want to worship him, we ought to praise him. We ought to, we ought to sing about him. We ought to talk about him. We ought to lift him up. When's the last time we really sang about him? You say, Pastor, we just sang a couple songs. I I know we sang when we all get to heaven. I know we sang Count Your Blessings, but I wonder how many of us really just sang them and didn't actually think about it. We just sang it because that's what Brother Shane said. We're great. We're going to sing Count Your Many Blessings. I wonder how many of us actually, when we were thinking about the song, actually started thinking of a blessing that God has done in our lives. Because I can tell you this, when you start singing count your many blessings and you start thinking about the blessing that God has given you in salvation, you start thinking about this blessing over here and this blessing over here, it's going to change how you sing. You're not just going to stand there singing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. You say, that's the wrong tune. I know. I don't care. I'll sing it how I want to sing it. There's no piano. (laughs) Oh, but when we start thinking about the blessings, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Oh, God, you've been so good to me. By the way, I, I, I notice, I get to stand up here and I get to watch as people sing. And I can tell when people, they're not singing. They're just singing words. But I can tell when some people are really thinking about the words. And you can start seeing them. They start thinking about what they're saying. 
And you can see their eyes start to get a little bit watery. And you can see a tear start coming down. Thank you, Lord. When we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. But yet so many times we just sing. We just say words and we don't really praise him. He says, praise him. Praise our God who liveth forever and ever. Praise him for he is the creator of the universe. Praise him because he's our savior, the one who gave his life for us. He's just asking that we would worship him. We worship him in praise. Instead of just going through the motions, why don't we say, God, this year, I really want to worship you. God, this year as we begin, it's not just Sunday, although, man, whenever we're in church, we can really make an effort to do that. But Lord, tomorrow, tomorrow's the day that everybody hates, <laughs> right? Monday, got to go back to work. God, I don't want to hate Monday. God, I want to worship you on Monday. And Tuesday, God, I want to worship you. Lord, I'm just going to, I'm just going to praise you. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to sing about you. Uh, Lord, I'm going to humble myself. Lord, I'm going to give you every day, everything. It's yours. God, it's yours. Will we truly worship God the way he desires to be worshiped? Or we just sit there in pride and say, hey, one day maybe, but only because God's going to make me. You're going to sit there in pride and say, I'm not going to humble myself before God. I'm not going to live my life pure for God. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to surrender everything to God. I've got my plans. I've got my ambitions. I've got my desires. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to surrender to God. I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. I'll do what I want to do. Yeah. That's exactly what Eve did. Instead of choosing to worship God, she chose to worship self. And look where we are. Friend, worshiping self will not get you any place. Why don't we worship him? Why don't we say, Lord, this year, I want to worship you the way you deserve to be worshiped. I wonder whether her head's bowed and her eyes closed. Every head, bed, every head bowed, every eye closed. As we bow down to him, we lift him up. But we can't lift him up until we're willing to bow down. Friend, I wonder this morning, maybe you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe God's been speaking to your heart. And you say, you know what? It's time to surrender to God. Don't let the lie of the devil say, hey, you've got time. You got, enjoy your life. You've got plenty of time. That's exactly what he told Eve. And he's lying to you. Why don't you surrender your life to God today? He gave his life for you so that you could have eternal life. 
Are you willing to accept that? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I would like to know. I would like to know how I could be saved. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. That's me. Would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Pastor, that's me. I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Anyone this morning, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. Someone else say, Pastor, that's me. I want to know for sure how I can be saved. Anyone else this morning? And friend, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. If you truly like to know how to be saved, if you're a man, we'll have a man talk with you. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady talk with you. But as soon as the piano begins to play, in just a moment, every head is going to be bowed, every eye is going to be closed. I'd love for you to just step out from where you are, come down. I'll meet you, and I'll have a man or a woman, whoever, whatever the case may be, I'll have them take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure that heaven is your home. Christian, say, I know I'm, I know I'm saved, Pastor. Praise the Lord for that. Have we worshipped him the way that he truly deserves to be worshipped? In purity. In humility. Surrender. And in praise. If not, we're not giving him the worship that he deserves. Are we worshipping self instead? My life, my plans, what I want. No, friend, that's not what he wants. He wants us to do what he wants, to say what he wants, to be what he wants us to be. Will we worship him? Will we worship something else? Father, I pray that you'd work in hearts this morning. Lord, as only you can. Lord, for Christians this morning, I pray that you'd help us this year to truly desire to worship you. Lord, it's not just because we've sung a song. No, no, if our heart is not right, Lord, then it's not worship. If we're not surrendered to you, if we're full of pride, it's not worship. And it's not just something that has to be done when we're in church on Sunday or Wednesday. Lord, every day we ought to desire to worship you in all that we do, surrendering to you. Lord, for those that may not know Christ as their Savior, I pray Lord, that as soon as, the, as soon as the invitation begins, as soon as that piano starts playing, that they would step out from where they are and come. Let us take the word of God, your words, God, and show them how they can be saved. Lord, would you work? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about.